Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Hey, did you know, you said equip before, uh, obviously our listeners can't hear this, especially if they're on the podcast, but you talked about quilting being good for ghost hunting and that you can quilt yourself some EMF-proof underwear, Faraday cage. Faraday cage. Do you know that you can actually buy it? You can actually buy electromagnetic repelling Faraday cage clothing. Really? So, So there. So, you don't have to so I mean, well, well, when you think about it, we have over here we have this uh, copper fit and Tommy copper uh, braces and stuff you can put on your back and elbows and shoulders and everything else. Mm-hmm. So I mean, what would happen if you, uh, you know, encased yourself in some of this Tommy copper? You wouldn't be able to move very fast. You'd oh yeah, it's drown. all flexible. It's designed for athletes. So you'd probably drown if you fell in any water and turn green eventually over time. No, I mean, no, no seriously, that- I mean. Linesmen um, in power companies, uh, you know, they were protective suits that, that direct the electric current around the, uh, uh, you know, on the outside of the suit to protect them from electric shocks. But homeowners have also been persuaded to buy into this um, idea, and you can buy EMF-proof um, clothing. Oh, well, so that that's, goes right, right up your alley because you always quote some stupid survey about EMS causing paranoia and everything else. Paranoia. So, Is that yes, a good word? Yes. Yeah, it's like paranoia, only paranoia. Uh, so it's, you know, <laughs> I mean, spe- in especially in the UK where you guys seem yeah. to be obsessed about your government's uh, stealing all your rights and everything away. Well, we don't have Donald, we have, don't have Donald Trump fighting for our human rights. Ah, thank God. That'll be why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, we actually have yeah. a guest today, and this we, is oddly kind of enough. Right. Oddly yeah. enough, we do because it ties very nicely with something that uh, you we talked about Spirit Quest last week and last year at Spirit Quest, as you know, uh, the subject was witchcraft, and I talked about the Essex witch cases and brought it bang up to date with uh, the witch's prison, a contemporary uh, haunting in St Osith, St Osith, in the county of Ing- Essex, Englandshire. Uh, now, I haven't been to that particular location, but I know a man who has and has in, uh, conducted a number of visits and investigations of the location. So I thought, you know what? I'll get him on. And not only that, John is an ace investigator um, and a senior member of both the Ghost Club and the Society for Psychical Research. So that makes him about 130 Give or take. I think he's one of the founder members of So he's about my age. More or less, yeah. He's he's one of the founding members of the SPR and the Ghost Club. So, uh, with that, it is, it is, it is, it is. So, I mean, those who were at Spirit Quest uh, Dining with the Dead will have heard about St. Osseth and the Essex Witches. Uh, But I'm going to throw it over to John and say good evening and ask him to tell us and to introduce our colonial listeners to what actually is The Cage. John, good evening. Hello, Steve. Um, I may be a founder member, but I don't look it. Um, uh, Right, The Cage, St. Joseph's. Um, It's, for whatever reason, 
um, appearing in the British national press um, almost weekly at the moment um, uh, and getting a reputation for possibly being um, the most haunted house in England. Now, what it also does is offer commercial ghost hunts, which obviously um, uh, uh, gives it a certain amount of... Um, Credibility? Uh, well, a uh, certain amount of... Um, of well, um, cre- credit, credi- there's a credibility factor to be overcome. However, um, going back to 2009, um, before any of that ever started... Um, the um, cage, the owner of the cage, Vanessa Mitchell, actually contacted um, the SPR um, as she was no longer able to stay in her house due to various entities and spirits, um, both witnessed by her and other people, um, and um, uh, had to leave it and was wondering what they, what she was going to do next. Um, now. She made that. She made the decision, obviously, um, to um, let the um, uh, let the place out for paranormal investigations. But it actually struck me along somewhere along the way, it was actually a very good opportunity, because you had lots of unrelated people going into the um, uh, very same place, um, by and large keeping their own notes, and um, not and um, basically there was all this reco- data going unrecorded. So I thought, as a little project, it would be good both to um, interview all the original witnesses and interview all the um, paranormal teams that had went to the cage since then. And, I mean, to be honest, despite the fact it is run as a semi-commercial entity, the, um, uh, the results, which we'll probably go through in a minute, were actually um, very impressive. Um, uh, now, what we were looking for is similarity of phenomena and um, we kind of um, found that in about four or five different ways um, one of the most um, special ones being being the fact that uh, probably in about five or six instances um, people that investigated the cage actually came out, came out with paranormal scratchings, scratchings on the body or arms or legs no, um, first of all, could I ask, is, is the, um, uh, apart from the little, the, the little bit you've done, is the, is the American audience at all way aware of the cage and its history? No, no that's, uh, no, no, I think you need to put it into some sort of context for them. Right, the reason it's called the cage is it's actually just a small two-up, two-down house, um, but... It's based on the foundations of what was a local, basically local holding cell, um, uh, dating back to the 16th century. And it was used um, during the witch trials um, and, um, uh, and various witches were kept there before being, um, before being taken to trial and ultimately yeah, quite right hung. Too. Quite right. Um, couldn't. <laughs> Uh, so that's how it got its reputation. But um, to be honest, it's a rather innocent-looking two-up, two-down um, house with a little bit of 15th century and um, uh, farmer 18th century chucked in. Um, uh, but um, uh, not the sort of place 
you'd expect to um, uh, to have all kinds of paranormal things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, the question is, with this sort of thing, obviously, obviously, there is a there there, there is a possible motive for doing things. But if you put it the other way, if you can't stay in your haunted house, if you don't feel you can keep your child there, um, if you have to move out and have to pay the mortgage, um, who else are you going to rent it to? There you go. Alternatively, you could you could argue the fact that uh, could it not just be a simple smoke screen for the property being too expensive for the mortgage and therefore a good scam to get shut of it or to make money off the because Vanessa the lady in, 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 the owner has has certainly done the rounds hasn't she I mean you know the cage now has its own Facebook Twitter page it has its own Twitter there's even Cage TV. Be, you know, a live t- uh, television feed from the most haunted house in England. So oh, it's, it you know, it's certainly, yeah, you know, you know, you know Steve, it's, it's, ac- it's, hang on for a second. I was actually going to ask you, ask you about that. Uh, it, it's they do have a live feed from it then. So is, is they that did some, is it is that a, a pay per view or is it just uh, open to anyone just to log in? I, no, um, it, I, they did have a live feed for a few months, and it was a pay-per-view. Um, uh, so, um, but in response to what Steve was saying, um, yeah, no, that's a fair point. The timeline, however, doesn't really fit. I mean, Vanessa was at the house, um, first of all, with um, uh, house sharers for about um, two to three years. Then she tried to let it out to various people, all of whom left um, uh, after a few months um, for um, uh, various reasons. Um, And um, uh, I can't think you'd decide to buy a house with a slight reputation for being haunted, um, stay there for four years simply to um, then try to launch it on an unsuspecting public. The timeline doesn't fit at all. I mean, uh, a case a case you guys in America are probably far more familiar with, Amityville Horror, um, uh, the Amityville House. I mean, that's um, obviously had that accusation um, uh, shot at it um, time in the gang. But, I mean, in that case, they actually stayed in the house, I think it was for about 35 days or something like that. Um, the timeline just doesn't fit that sort of possible scenario. Well, it does. I mean, if, if you take into she may have bought the house and then you know her circumstances change and it becomes unaffordable. So the timeline, you know, I would I would suggest is does need to be considered in terms of. You know, it's not a case of, oh, I bought it as an investment to turn into the most paranormal house in the UK, but, oh, I've been, you know, my finances have changed, I'm stuck with this huge mortgage, what can I do to re- to relieve myself of the burden? So I don't think the timeline's that relevant. Well, I mean, have there ever been reports of anything happening before she bought the house? Um, there was, um, uh, there, there have been reports in the past um, which is still part of my part of my project to try and try and look into because all the reports um most of the reports prior to that are second hand i e the people have moved on um so I had a reputation for being haunted. there was apparently a couple um uh, that had 
some books flying out of their bookcase and what have you, but that, that is second-hand as opposed to first-hand witness testimony, which is what I was particularly concentrating on. So it had a reputation for being haunted, but not to the extent that it was. Now, now where, I'd, um, where, where, I'd, where I'd disagree with Steve is, um, I mean, the only circumstances that have changed, I mean, mortgages haven't changed, the only circumstances that have changed is that, um, uh, that uh, Vanessa felt she couldn't live there by herself and um, has since lived in various accommodations, including a caravan. Now, that doesn't strike me as being a, a lifestyle choice or a certainly certainly if it was um uh, if it was purely done for the um commercial side of things certainly if it had been such a rip-roaring success in that sense um you know people wouldn't be living in the cavern there is a genuine um there is a genuine belief in haunting there backed up by a heck of a lot of witnesses um, which is what my project was about. My project wasn't actually about staying the night in um, the staying the night in the cage. But, you know, there's plenty of people that have done that already. My project was about um, speaking to all people that have stayed in the cage, mm-hmm. finding out their experiences, um, getting a wider birth of um, uh, witness testimony than just obviously um, had been reported, you know, through Vanessa and one or two colleagues, and then seeing if it all started to make sense. Now, the surprising thing was um, people were actually seeing, seeing and feeling the same types of things in the very same places. Um, uh, so, and these, these were people without... That didn't really have contact with each other. So, I think there is. I mean, what would you do if you if you had a haunted house you couldn't stay in, Steve? Except in our case, it probably wouldn't matter because we probably love the experience. We probably love the experience, wouldn't we? <laughs> would, I mean, would, I, you know, would I not spend Would I not spend the rest of my life in a haunted house? Oh, come on, please. You and I. You and I. Yeah, and no, 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 I'd love it. I'd, I'd, I'd love it. Yeah. I'd love it. I'm, the, three, I'm, the three of us. Yeah, I think we can agree that hmm. there is no way that we would be shipped off into a caravan just because the house yeah, was haunted. The, the only problem with that is it's easy for us to do it since we've never gone through the experience yeah. of living there and so we'd say oh yeah we'd love that and and you know if you put that on facebook i'm sure everybody on facebook would absolutely love it too but until you go through the experience itself then uh you really can't say that you could well, say you think you would love it but uh well, you, you know i mean you know, if let's... it's actually let me finish it was right. actually terrifying i know the the haunted victorian here in Gardner, massachusetts uh, they bought the house, and when they moved in, and, and they were like all gun ho about it. But then uh, they were actually driven out. Pretty much what happened to this cage and uh, wherever this is in Essex or wherever, and uh, you know they ended up selling the house because uh, of the, the danger to them in it. So I mean, it, unless we go through it ourselves, it's very you know nice to say yeah we'd love that, but uh, until we really experience it, we really can only say that we think we would no i mean i i can kind of agree with you there Ron. i mean i know i would uh nothing would shift me um but <laughs> but 
But I have to say, I mean, what I do find interesting is the number of people who claim um, that they... In fact, I'm dealing with the case right now, right as we speak. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it, but except to say that it, it comes down to one of those situations where the homeowners uh, feel that they can no longer stay in the property. However, they have no intention of moving out. Um, People, people will always respond differently. What you and I find to be uh, an exciting hobby, an exhilarating pursuit, to other people is a terrifying, you know, imposition upon their lives. And we have to be, we have to understand that. That said, um, it is surprising that the language that people use. That, that you know, when people describe the fact that they can no longer stay there or it has become unbearable, I think you know, you, you'll go back two months later and. They're still there. They're still in the same situation. They haven't moved. You know, it, it hasn't been as life-threatening or as life-changing as they as they uh, describe. Case, but there are many other well, no, cases I mean, where it is. There's, there's, al- there's, there's also in there's also in this case. Um, uh, at one point, there were three adults um, living in the premises. Obviously, um, uh, obviously, you've got moral support there. Um, the actual final scenario was Vanessa and her young child um, living there. Obviously, you've you've got um, uh, a protective instinct for a young yeah. child, and um, you've got nobody to fall back on. So, um, I can see there being differences between if there's two or three grown-ups in the property, and you can. You can make light of it. And um, uh, then when those circumstances change, that probably was a key circumstance change, to be honest. Um, uh, Nothing to do with mortgages or anything like that. Um, uh, Just the fact um, uh, she was there by herself. Yeah. No, I think I think absolutely. We 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 often, you know, we we do say, you know, there's bravado, isn't it? Oh, I could stay in anywhere. I, in all probability, I probably could, provided it, you know, it had the normal sort of, uh, you know, toilet bed, yeah. someone to cook. You know, the absence of those would make me leave. The rest of it, hey, you know, come on. Uh, hey, come on. I mean, you haven't seen half of what I've seen, Steve, and I can tell you that. And I don't uh, doubt it, but you haven't seen half of what half of what I've seen either. Exactly, but what you know, what terrifies one person doesn't necessarily terrify us another. But we all have our weaknesses. We all have absolutely. our absolutely uh, weak points. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, the lack of the lack of a kitchen, toilet, and bathroom are mine. Yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all very amusing, Steve. But uh, I, I don't think it's, no, I'm not, it's really I'm not funny at all. Like, I think I'm it's making like serious, I'm, and I'm where you're kind of like choking it off. I, I, I kind of disagree with you on that. Oh, I, I, I understand why you're disagreeing, and I'm not joking it off. What I'm actually saying is, we all have our own levels of uh, what we can tolerate, and. Exactly. For me, I have spent my entire adult life searching for, you know, the paranormal, searching right. for some demonstration of the paranormal. And to the, the, the idea, the thought, the, the times I have spent in places where people refuse to spend the night, and I've spent nights and days and nights and days, it's because it's like a fisherman. A lot of people couldn't, couldn't tolerate the idea of staying on the, on the side of a riverbank for, you know, for a few hours, and yet fishermen can spend days and weeks at the side of a fish, uh, you know, in the hunt for what they, they want to search for. So it's, it comes down to what you as an individual want to do. I'm not right. decrying anybody who's terrified, but what I, am, what I was saying is there are a lot of people who say that they are terrified, but 
nonetheless, despite their terror, they learn to live with the situation and they stay there and they don't get hurt and they don't get harmed and they don't get dismembered and killed by the ghosts. No, I I don't think there's any any cases of anyone getting terribly hurt or dismembered or killed. Um, uh, Certainly not killed. Um, uh, But nevertheless, um, uh, it's something that is scary to the general public. Yeah, and once people realise that they're not going to get Know, physically endangered by the fact that they've got a haunting or, a, or something. I think you know part of the problem. Uh, if it, take this case I'm dealing with at the moment. It's not about dealing with whatever's going on. It's about getting the people who live there to accept the situation that they're in and uh, change object, change the way that they're objectifying it. You know, currently it's a frightening scenario for them, but as I've been working with them for several months, it has become a more acceptable situation, not one that they're entirely happy with, but one that they are day by day learning to adapt to and to deal with. And that's that, I think, is the major success of, of, of a lot of what goes on with uh, hauntings. True. But if you're, um, if, if you're in a house and you're the only grown-up in the house and you see, and you see an apparent um, uh, figure of a man leaning over your child's cot, there are limits. Whether right. you, can tell, you can tell somebody that, um, uh, you can tell somebody that there's um, uh, been, been virtually no damage done by ghosts or poltergeists um, over the years, but there, there is a trigger point. Um, and one of the strange correlations we did find now is that, um, for want of a better expression, um, this place um, uh, does seem to freak people out. Now, obviously, there could be a psychological dimension, but it seems to be far... If it is, it seems to be far bigger. Um, there's been cases of Danish... Um, uh, Danish film teams um, literally blacking out, breaking down in tears and rushing out of the house um, and not remembering anything of it afterwards. Um, there's um, uh, been cases of um, people reportedly feeling suicidal after visiting the cage. Um, uh, and these... these uh, these, this isn't the average investigator. This is actually this was, was actually another television producer, not somebody that produced a television program, not somebody that had any particular interest in it, over and above wanting to be a witness in that situation. So, I mean, for some reason, you've got a a place that does seem to a freak people out. B, have a heck of a lot of unusual noises coming from the same places um, to different people at different times without any um, obvious explanation. I mean, one of the more mundane ones is um, uh, is the door slamming at the bottom of the stairs and footsteps coming up the stairs. Now, I mean, I'd love to get a team of, you know, sound experts, Steve, in at some point to see if there's any reason for that. You know, you know the um, only reason it stopped us so far is the fact that the only accommodation on offer was a grotty, fly-blown caravan. I stayed there. It was rather good, actually. The bar oh. was a bit dubious. <laughs> Listen, my standards are higher. And 
if, no, you yeah, want, yeah. if you want me, I want a hotel room. <laughs> there was there was good reasoning behind the caravan, believe it or not. Um, uh, uh, the caravan was a little project that um, uh, myself and Rosie Murdy from the Goose Club did um, to actually interview all the witnesses, all her ex-flatmates that were still in the area. Now, um, uh, basically, it was um, uh, basically it was SBR, SBR headquarters um, in temporary headquarters and caravan site, which sounds highly amusing, and um, and it was a dodgy bar with karaoke. But what it did what it did allow was people not to come back. Not endearing yourself to me. <laughs> selling the idea of me driving all the way to Essex and staying dodgy caravan bar. What it did, what it what it did allow was people to come round in their own time, and we and where we had the table, tape recorder set up and everything like that, and chat in comfort. Um, I mean, couldn't have done that in a hotel, in a hotel bar, in a hotel foyer, or, or, drag, or drag people up to a hotel room. It probably didn't seem very professional. Um, uh, so we actually, we actually got some very, very good witness testimony from that humble little caravan, um, uh, um, three-quarters of a mile from St. Elizabeth's. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit about come round in the room time that had me a bit concerned in what you just said. But nonetheless... Come on and on. Well, at preset time, obviously. No, they come round. But were they unconscious to start with? <laughs> <laughs> what had it was this? The, or was this the result of the dodgy bar that you were talking about earlier? <laughs> well, you know, the idea. I, I I know we never shelved the idea of bringing down some high end recording equipment to have a look at these sounds. So, I we were stymied, as I recall, not by any intransigence on my part, but by um, plans to. Uh, was, the, the property was being sold, as I as I recall. Um, so we the, the outcome of that. The property has been up for sale, hasn't been sold. Um, uh, might go to property auction at some point. Um, uh, um, that's obviously entirely in, entirely up to the owner. I, I would I would I would say there's um, uh, without without putting words and Vanessa. Obviously, I've, I've spoken to Vanessa a heck of a lot, um, but without putting words in my mouth, she she's interested in the paranormal. She likes the idea of having a haunted house. Probably quite, probably rather like the idea of talking about the haunted house and um, hopefully having it taken seriously. Um, what she doesn't like is living in the damn place. So she's got herself a conflict there. Um, uh, she likes having the place, but doesn't like living in it. And somewhere down the line, obviously, um, can't, um, unless you happen to be a multimillionaire, um, do the two. So I suspect she goes from. Uh, wanting to sell it one day to not wanting to sell it the next. Well, and anyways, also- unfortunately, John, we have yeah. to come up to, uh, we're coming up to break, so uh, I'm going to have to stop you there, and we'll, we'll come back after the break. And uh, I want to thank you so much because it's been really interesting so far. But uh, we'll take the break right now, and then we'll be right back. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, International right here on Tojanet, Parax, Planet Paranormal, Radio Crackle. I don't know. And, anywhere, and anyone else that will have us. The ghost box, who knows? So uh, we'll be right back with uh, John uh, right after the following messages.
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parax family. Hi, I'm Ron Kolick from the New England Ghost Project. And I'm Gail Lax from Winslow Studio Yoga and Healing. And we'd like to invite you to a very special event that we're running March 18th through the 20th. At the historic Daniel Inn in Brunswick, Maine. This is a weekend retreat, Gail, right? It is. It's going to be fantastic. And it's going to be all about ghost hunting. And connecting with spirit. Ooh, that sounds fun. And we're going to try new things that have never been done before. And we'll be investigating one of the most historic houses in Brunswick. And your weekend will include some great workshops and energy, all of our paranormal investigations, some wonderful food, and a group mediumship reading as well. And a red light seance too, right? Yes. And you never know who will come through in a red light seance. You never know. And uh, if people were interested in getting tickets for this, how could they do that, Gail? Oh, they can go to our website at www.winsoulstudio.com and go to our events page, and you can put your deposit down. And reserve your space for this amazing retreat. So don't delay on this rare opportunity to spend a weekend with Gail and me as we go in search Search of of spirit. spirit. And if you survive that, you can survive anything. But first, you've got to survive. I'm doing yoga, so you know yoga. (laughs) That's what I was. Yoga goes to be fun. Yeah, I could just see you in your yogurt pants. Anyway, uh, back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International. We were talking about the cage in St. Osef, and shortly we'll be moving on to the highbrow stuff. But 
before the break, we were actually discussing an idea that I just had before the break about putting in a huge SPR grant and buying the damn place. and do, or take, We could rent it for a year and do a Harry Price on it like he did at Borley. And uh, so we rent it and we put in a team of investigators uh, without the blue book to tell them what to do and what to find. Uh, what do you think, John? You're on the committee. <laughs> you, you're, you, and I, you and I both know that we've got access to the funds. Um, uh, that wouldn't be the worst idea in the world, Steve. Um, uh, some, uh, you're quick putting before, ideas in my head quick now. Before, yeah, quick before Zach Bacon's <laughs> buys the bloody place. I probably will. Yeah, no, um, um, cert- cert- certainly um, it would be great to get, um, uh, to get people down. I mean, you, you've obviously... I've obviously done a 6,000-word report, which I can't go into huge detail, obviously, in, in a, in a one-hour radio broadcast. But, um, uh, but there's, there's some area... There's about, there's about five main areas of, of phenomena. Um, uh, and certainly it would be worth looking for um, any non-obvious um, um, natural explanations. I mean, we've been through the obvious ones and they're not there. Um, but um, that's not to say there isn't a non-obvious one. Um, uh, I'd love to do that. I've um, uh, got about another 12 committee members to convince, but um, uh, you Hopefully never know. We can <laughs> deal with the committee. Anyway, now let's just move briefly. As soon as we've introduced the subject of the committees and the, the two well, before groups... You, don't jump off this yet, because I'm no, not done with it. No, no. We, we, we are, and it's our show, so sure. Um, uh, I don't think cause, so. Because we're, so both, any, on the, we're both on the committee. You, I got it. Before you get into that, I mean, yeah. the, the question I was going to ask you, and this probably fits into the segue into it, is that, uh, John, did you, did you do this on your own, or were you, uh, was this part of an organization? Because we did have a question for you in the chat room that wanted to know if you had your own uh, team. So um, is this, once again, is this a subject or, or a, a project that you took on on your own, or did you do it in conjunction with a specific group, or, or what? This 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 was a this was a project that I took on. Um, it started off as a spontaneous case that's passed the SPR. I I took it over and have been um, uh, studying the cage on and off um, for the last six years. They, the major part of the project was done recently. The face to face interviews were assisted by my esteemed colleague Rosie Murdy of the Ghost Club. Um, uh, so it wasn't a sort of so it was more of a chat situation, a friendly situation. She was invaluable in asking clever questions as well. Um, uh, I also did some telephone interviews by myself and, um, uh, and one or two um, extended email interviews um, uh, by myself as well. So, yeah, no, it was primarily a project that I decided was worth taking on because we... Um, uh, I, mean, you, I mean, you guys must have um, investigated lots of haunted houses as I have in my time, but it's never quite had time you kind of hear that somebody's second cousin visited and saw this that and the other and then his friend saw this and that but it's very rare bar Enfield poltergeist in England and probably one or two cases in America where you've ever had the chance to to go through um, the whole array of witnesses at least everyone that was still available 
Um, uh, and, you know, by doing so, you kind of gradually pick up a picture. I mean, I've, I've never spent more than two or three hours at a time in the cage and not with any great deal of equipment. So it was never an investigation in that sense. It's more of a question of um, uh, prising together all the evidence and um, uh, looking at the witness testimony very much in the same way as you would do uh, if it was witness testimony in a sort of in a sort of court case. Um, and Actually, can I can I uh, because that's a great uh, link into to a question um, that I have, and it comes from that six thousand word report uh, where you discuss the methodology and particularly witness testimony, um, and you you give you give some um, oxygen to acknowledging uh, a well-known skeptical blogger who states, for example, that due to a lack of common methodology and other factors, such testimony counts for nothing. Uh, I mean, what? what? What's your real thought? <laughs> exactly. What? What's your real thought? Shut up. What's your real thoughts on that, John? I know what mine and Ron's are, but you, know, you can't throw the testimony of the witness away. I mean, we're not talking well, the about the testimony. The, with the bathwater. We're talking right? about your thoughts on that statement that uh, the witness testimony is it counts for absolutely nothing. So all paranormal uh, encounters where we have a, test, a witness testimony are meaningless. So why the hell are we investigating? Well, no. why the hell? I, I, I mean, what my my thoughts on this. Are, um, uh, very much, uh, very much on the lines of um, uh, of um, uh, Alan Alan Murdy's our esteemed colleague in the SBI, who also has to be happens to be a barrister. Um, funnily, funnily enough, he was doing a something on witness testimony just at the same time as I was looking into the cage. Um, and um, uh, Alan um, uh, talks about, and I totally agree, uh, similar fact evidence where you've got, under whatever circumstances, this different people seeing the same thing again and again. And now this is a well-established um, uh, evidential trait that's used in criminal trials, etc., etc. Um, and obviously people don't see things under ideal conditions, under test conditions in everyday life. That's what witness testimony is all about. One witness testimony is flawed. You get two or three put together, it becomes more interesting. You get seven or eight put together, it can become overwhelming. Um, uh, so um, uh, I don't agree with our esteemed sceptic um, and I probably put that in the report to um, uh, to, um, uh, take it to apart. That you, yeah. so, sorry, esteemed sceptic, if by any chance you're listening. <laughs> um, well, She's also yeah. a Facebook friend as well. Yeah, esteemed. Um, uh, um, but uh, yeah, you did actually put that within the report, uh, but what I wanted to do was to you know, get you to explain your your perspective, your, the point that you actually made within the report, that witness testimony, I mean, it, it is the linchpin by which, you know, it's the first, the very first thing, uh, the only thing in many cases that we have to go on. And uh, it's rather like telling, you know, a patient telling a doctor, I'm in pain, and the doctor going, that's meaningless. Exactly. Uh, I mean, you know, it's very clear. I mean, just because we can't prove that there's something here, they certainly experience it. It's, it would be like someone being scared of unicorns. They are terrifying. What do you mean? 
I mean, I, I'll spend the night in a haunted house, but I'm not going anywhere near a unicorn. Uh, say no more. I, I, I have limits. But uh, to return now back to, because we talked about committees briefly um, as we came back from the break. And this brings us back to something that John and I, and in fact how we met, uh, John and I are both um, uh, members of the Society for Psychical Research. And we said, as they said at the start of the programme, he probably founded I'm both. I'm a founder member, yeah. Yeah, of that and the Ghost Club. Um, Wait a minute, the founder is in 18-something or other. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's older than he looks. Um, <laughs> now, uh, the, the question... I've, of got the a, I've got a Dorian Gray picture in the attic. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't doubt it. <laughs> the question of the SPR is, has often arisen on the show and the Ghost Club, um, because obviously both organisations are older than the entirety of the United States. Um, <laughs> now... <laughs> You as another member, because Ron's only you know heard me rap banging on about how good and worthy they are, and that you know reminding which one the, the Ghost Club or the SBR both, um, but also I reminding was a member of the Ghost Club. I, I unfortunately let it lapse. Uh, we'll pay you dues up then. Yeah, um, I got to. But you know, we I, I do periodically remind him of the existence of the ASPR, the American Society for Psychical Research, which is only a year younger. But uh, how long? Do, yeah. Um, so, I mean, what would you say are the main advantages, uh, the key advantages uh, and strengths of the Society for Psychical Research? We'll come on to the Ghost Club in a little while. In fact, um, uh, I think that you actually complement each other quite well. But we'll come on to the Ghost Club in a little while. Um, the, S- the SPR um, uh, basically is probably the only organisation that... Um, uh, a liaises with universities that are interested in in parapsychology. Um, B produces probably what you'd call like academic papers on the on the on the subject. Other possibly ASAP ASAP also comes close. That's a that's a breakaway organisation um, from the SPR about thirty odd years ago. Um, and um, C has an infrastructure staffing. And um, uh, the ability to um, uh, actually do things on a larger scale. It also gives out um, uh, grants to anyone that has a a sensible and well thought out um, uh, paranormal project in hand, and is again probably the only organisation that can do that. Um, uh, The SPR was probably fortunate in that. Shortly after it set up, it um, it bought a um, small uh, a small muse house in what was then um, a little rundown area of London known as Kensington, um, uh, which um, uh, was no longer a rundown area of London. So um, between that and bequeaths and um, uh, and support from its members, it's actually a a proper organize it's an organization with staffing and um certainly certainly a, a definite level of gravitas and it's not short of a few bob it's not short of a few bob that's what i was saying which means which me- yeah which means we can get a grant to rent the cage for a whole year it means um it means yeah. that so it we could apply any of us could apply for a grant to rent the cage for a whole year, indeed. Yeah, um, uh, isn't there a clause that says, unless you're an American? What? 
Um, uh, I have to look at the small print. The small I think print. we might have. I think we might have got rid of that last AGM actually. Damn. There you go. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that in at the next committee meeting. <laughs> but but um, uh, now the SPR founded 1882, but there's mm? the uh, the Ghost Club predates it somewhat, um, which they they proudly remind us uh, many many times. I. You say that they complement one of the... I, I mean, would you like to sort of expand on that? Expand on that's probably a good idea. Now, now the SPR is, is the more formal organisation, always has been. Um, the Gus Club was founded in 1855, 1862, 1885, uh, possibly again in, nine, in the 1930s. It's had lulls and it's had various guises of being a sort of secretive occult body in the late 19th century to being a sort of a after-dinner speaker's society um, when run by when run by um, Harry Price um, uh, uh, to um, uh, a members-only club that did investigations when run by Peter Underwood to a open organisation now, which does investigations, but mainly of the um, uh, mainly of the the larger scales type in in preset locations, rather than the cry for help investigations. When somebody rings up and says, "I've got a haunted house, what do I do?" Um, I'd I'd say out of the two organisations, the Ghost Club is probably the best entry level. It's the sort of place where you can go along to listen to a speaker and then go for a pint with the older members afterwards. Um, and in some ways, in some ways, it always has had and always will have that quite substantial social element to it. Um, uh, the SPR, as I say, is far more an academic body, um, runs, runs an annual conference, and what have you. So in, in, in a way, they kind of perfectly complement each other, which is why I'm a member of both, to be honest. So there's, there's really no... Uh, is there a competitive between them, or, or is it just, you know, we are members of, of both? I mean, so you see both sides of it. Is, is there, a, like, us and them attitude, or is it just... Uh, no, it's different. The, 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 there's, there's so much more into... Um, uh, um, uh, Slightly different angles. The SPR, as I say, is, um, keeps um, uh, keeps very um, close relationships with the Parapsychology Association. In fact, at a joint conference in Greenwich last year, um, Parapsychology Association is the organisation of all the um, uh, parapsychology institutions and universities all around the world. Um, uh, so no, they don't. No, I don't. I don't think they really, um, uh, really, really compete with each other. I mean, I mean, the organisation that probably um, at one point the SPR might have, in inverted commas, competed with, but doesn't now. There was a kind of breakaway organisation about 35 years ago called the Association. I'm going to try and say this in one breath. The Association for the Scientific Study of Anomalous Phenomena. That's yeah. The people around, actually. Yes, yeah, the popular People's Front of Judea, isn't it? Yeah. 
that as well. And, and for a time, I suspect there was a little bit of tension between the two organisations. But um, uh, no, I think um, uh, I, th- I think we tend to keep the paranormal quite friendly over here. Um, what's the experience in America? Yeah. Uh, it's not, quite, not, anything, not anything like that. Everybody decries unity and does their own thing. Well, well if, it, and they I'm, I'm all gonna... have the best uh, pictures of Obst than everybody else. So I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with John here because John talks about paranormal unity, and I maintain that there can be there is no such thing here in the UK, in the US, or anywhere else because no, it is there a, is a paranormal friendliness between the three national organisations. Well, uh, the, I mean, the, there's a certain inevitability, particularly between the Ghost Club and the SPR, that there is a, a lot of. Uh, joint membership between the two, uh, the two venerable organisations, and and there is there is quite a lot of cross membership also with ASAP, but there was recently. Uh, a move, a suggestion rather, uh, by by uh, several or uh, by, by members of the SPR and a member of ASAP um, to uh, explore the possibility of merging the two groups, um, and then we saw exactly how friendly the North South divide became. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, ASAP, ASAP is what it is. It's, it is the Association for the Scientific Study of Anomalous Phenomena. It's very, very broad in its remit. Right, you know, there's UFOs and all kinds the, of Yeah, them, UFOs, Bigfoot, tree sense. huggers, you know, all yeah. of these flat Obama. earthers, they're all, Obamacare, you know, they're all in there. Um, bless them. Um, and, you know, ASAP, for, for you know, the many good and great things that it's achieved, and there have been many, um, still it rankles particularly with a lot for the, so I think it's failed attempt to become the official professional body, government recognised professional body uh, over, over uh, sort of uh, for paranormal investigating here in the UK. Uh, which they try, which they tried to do about 2011, 12. Uh, fortunately, they seem to have dropped that idea now. Um, you know, the idea just, of putting... it still exists, but I suspect the yeah. the potential yeah. bureaucracy under a, vol- a voluntary member organisation is is quite yeah. um, quite overwhelming. To be fair, to be fair to ASAP, what they were doing is um uh, is trying to um uh, make um uh, the paranormal. Um, investigating the paranormal, a certifiable thing—not as you're certified, but an, an official, an official function. They weren't trying to. Um, uh, I, I think I think you're being very generous to them because personally, I think the whole idea was certifiable from start to finish. The idea that you can put ghost hunters into the same sort of umbrella as. You know, Earth mysteries, ufologists, yeah. you know, all that sort of uh, alien big cats and other crazies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not going to happen, is it? And, you know, they, but the, their method, their method, we talked about methodology earlier, their methodology was to secretly negotiate something, come out and say, we've got made this great, we are now the de facto. Uh, professional body for paranormal investigating, and every and and now we're going to have a public consultation on the idea. Hmm. And, every, and everybody's the timeline. Yes. Yeah, the response was pretty much, "You what? You're having a laugh." <laughs> you know, I tell you, I tell you something funny though. I don't think the average member of the SPR council 
ever got to find out, uh, was ever that bothered to find out that ASAP were the um, uh, official certified um, uh, or whatever whatever status they got to. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not it, it's not a, it's it's not it's not something really vital the SPR one way or the other. I mean, you're you're right. There's no unity, but I think there's a um, uh, I think I. I there hasn't been many tantrums on a national level recently, but no, you're you're, you're quite right. Like in America, um, between individual organisations, there's some that are, you know, local organisations, there's some that are belief-led, and my orbs better than your orb. In fact, yeah. no, no orbs are better than any orbs, of course, as we well know, Steve. Um, uh, uh, I had swords against orbs. Pardon? You know, you know, I still meet people from the UK that believe in them, so. There you go. Yeah, no, some of the belief-led groups still believe in orbs, yes. I believe in orbs, yeah. I mean, I'm... Uh, uh, quite a lot of people who believe that the Earth is flat. Out, no? Pardon? Well, there's a lot of people who believe the Earth is flat nowadays. Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, but, I mean, I mean, somebody proved that orbs could be small insects. And, uh, I mean, yeah. it's just one stage away to it. Surely it's the spirit of the small insect, isn't it? Well, we'd, have to consult, we'd have to consult a medium. Um, you know, they, they know far more than I. Well, I can help you with that. So well, anyways, John, yeah. I, I think what you did there uh, was a admirable project. I, I really enthralled by it. Uh, you know, to gather that much of information on a particular uh, location and not by just one group slanted by its own reality. It's by different individuals, people who weren't even in groups. So I, I, I think that's a, a great undertaking. And, I mean, that's the thing I would love to see uh, maybe the Ghost Club or SPR, whatever they do, is to, to take on more of those projects and, and start documenting some of the more famously haunted places and where you have almost a uh, you know, case history of this from, for years. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something funny, actually. Um, uh, now, the cage was actually, um, I, I mean, without going into detail, because obviously this isn't the recent past, there was actually a, a, one of the previous owners of the cage not so long ago committed suicide, that's on record. Um, uh, and um, I, I was actually trying to make sense of it because there's a bit of poltergeist, there's a bit of conventional haunting all kind of chucked in. And I was looking through um, uh, old records and there was actually a case based in Brighton, England, that the SPR um, uh, investigated in the 1980s that seemed to have exactly the same type of phenomena happening. Um, uh, uh, you know, um, noises on staircases, doors, doors rattling, etc. was triggered off uh, by a suicide um, uh, in the recent past um, uh, and um, uh, had been recorded in this case thank in this case had been about four different families over a course of about eight years so again you had that independence of witnesses that didn't feed on each other and actually got the same similar fact evidence so you've actually got a strange mirror image from a case dating back to the late 19th century that the SPR also investigated so we've um, uh, uh, that's. I don't quite know what that shows, but it does show that this type of case seems to happen um, uh, more than you think. And I suspect if somebody else had time to look into a case that had happened over an extended period, they might um, uh, they might get the same things. 
Well, there is the uh, do about which means pizza from the dead is here, so we've got to wrap up the show. But, uh, John, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I think this project is, is, is really a great idea, and, you know, my, my wheels are turning already about projects I could do similar over here. And uh, so uh, I want to thank you for that. It's been a pleasure. There you go. John, how do people, because uh, remember, you can actually go off and join the Society for Psychical Research, the Ghost Club, or indeed ASAP. Um, for the SPR, the website is www.spr.ac.uk. Uh, the Ghost Club is... Ooh, um, uh, <laughs> if you... If you... If you Google the Ghost Club, it You'll comes up it. these days. Um, no problem at all. We used to have competition with Silver Shadow about 2000. You know, the um, uh, Silver Ghost. Um, Lil's Voice used to beat yep. us, when, but that's been well. Um, we've shoved them off top spot. Yeah, and they've both got that, they've both got application forms that come off the website. So. We come off uh, Karen Cliff, the P, the PR manager for the Ghost Club, will be having stern words with John for not knowing off the top of his head the website. Wait a minute, he's um, a founding member. You're lucky he doesn't know, kick him out. I know. I didn't it's have a website when I joined. Exactly. You know, the whole, you, you've the whole got of the you, You're yeah. amnesty. You can do whatever you what want. You don't, what you don't know, Ron, is the whole of Ron, uh, John's report has been written with a quill pen. That's fine. I love it. That's that's good. That's probably you can still trigger. see the candle wax dripping. You know, trigger the trigger objects. You know, you see the report is actually a trigger object because it's written in, in actually, ink. So old, I, in think, ink. I think with him being the founder, I think you'd actually say that John himself was a trigger a trigger object. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, that is about the end of the show. And John, thank you once again, Steve. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Always, I can tell. Yeah. So, anyways, here's the tune. So we've got to wrap Steve it up. Me and Steve are going on a caravan holiday together shortly. Yeah, yeah I'd rent, love to see that. To, yeah. to rent a house for a year. Yeah, yeah. Going I haven't had enough time getting them in the beach house. Never mind a caravan. Yeah, so, anyways, this, the tunes are playing. So we've got to say goodbye. So thank you everybody for listening and tune in <laughs> next week when we'll have somebody else. Good night. God bless. Good night. Good night. God bless. <laughs>